First part of chapter Chavav, not really the first part, but the first part of the Eitzes, right? So we had the questions, we we're holding by the Eitzes, and we are dealing with, um, we, we haven't reached uh, the, the colon yet on page Lamed Gimel. So we're in the middle here of Lamed Gimel, just to remind ourselves, since it's been a while, um, what we're dealing here with, what we're dealing here with is a reframing, a reframing of how we have to look at the world, Right? We already proved. I know this is a little bit of a. Uh, it's a little bit of a, um, a. Going over what we did before, but we just have to put ourselves in the right frame of mind here. Um, especially we have a we have a guest here, Baruch Hashem. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Not you, Hananya. You're not a guest, but we welcome you too, Hananya. So, um, so we proved already. We proved already that. <coughs> Two points from the beginning of Chavav. Anyone remember the two main points that we proved? Number one is that it's impossible to do Avoida without Simcha. That's the first thing. The first thing is that a person has to be Vesimcha in, <coughs> excuse me, in order for anything to work. Right? That is the first point that we brought out in Chavav. And that is, if you remember, after the 25 chapters where we were discussing the two methodologies of how to serve the Eibishter, so we first, we started off this whole discussion by saying that all of that, everything that we discussed, the reason why it's not working for you, because presuming, it's presuming at this point on chapter Chavav that something's not working, right? That's why we're bringing this here. Something's not working, we now have to fix things. So number one point that the Alter Rebbe proves is that it's impossible to do anything without Simcha. Everything, all the avoda that we discussed for 25 chapters is not going to work unless you are besimcha, which was a major chiddush, like we discussed, and everyone could go back, you could listen to it on Spotify. We have about 10 lessons so far in the first part of chapter Chavav, maybe even more, I don't know. Then, then we are, we are, then... The second point. What was the second main point? Yeah, everything, everything comes from everything that's bad. It seems good. Well, ah, uh, that's already the answers. So that's the second point. The second main part of the introduction. What? I have to be the one to do it. I'm going to take it a step further. It's an avoider. In other words, it's not a. It's not a reward. Simcha is not a reward for anything. Simcha is an avoider that needs to be done. It needs to be worked on. It is not something that naturally happens at all. Right, Adrava. Our natural, uh, our natural frame of mind is the opposite of simcha. Right. In fact, in science has proven it now that uh, that they show that that forty nine, something like forty nine percent of the time that a person he goes into what is known as a default system in the brain. Default system in the brain is if he's not actively thinking certain things, he defaults to a, so to speak, a negative mindset. A negative way of looking. The reason why this is, uh, scientists will tell us, right, that the reason why this is is because in the past, right, in order for human beings to survive, especially from the in earlier times, especially they have very earlier times, much earlier than us. But anyway, that's not our discussion right now, right? But their point is, is that there needed to be a survival mechanism. And therefore, you had to be much very aware of your environment. And therefore, you're constantly looking at the world from a negative perspective because you have to be careful with what's going on in the world. That's how they would explain it. We would explain it that, which, I mean, both, both end up in the same place, is that we have an Nefesh of Bahamis. And Nefesh of is invested in, is enclosed within our Nefesh of Bahamis, 
Our nefesh of Ahamias is based on a concept called Suffolk. Right? It's based on a concept called worry, daiga, suffolk. All the things that we talk about in the beginning of Erech Havav, that there is a concern, a constant worry about everything that's going on in the world. What science has been able to prove is that 49% of the time we are going back into this state of mind, which is called a default mechanism in the brain that we all have. right? And therefore, since we're constantly going back into this default mechanism, 49%, that's a huge amount of time. Right? Therefore, we are constantly going into this state of concern, worry, suffolk, all the things that we are that are driving us crazy in life, right? That are not making us be besimcha. Okay? So these two points are the introduction to our whole discussion here. Number one, and even though we've discussed this ten times, we have to keep on plugging it into our brain so we are aware of how our mechanism called our our human life is working, our human body is working. And it doesn't work so well when you go to sleep at 1 o'clock in the morning when you're delivering donuts in the middle of the night. (laughs) Right. So the point being, the point being that, the point being that we have to recognize that this is number one, a must, and number two, it's an avoida. Now, for the next several chapters, we're going to be discussing various ways in which we have to combat this. The first approach that we've been dealing with up until now, up until now, is the approach of what happens when bad things happen, right? So this is the approach, this is, this is something that is a real issue, right? Here we're not talking about the 49% of the time where we're just walking through life and we're just going back into our default mechanism of our brain. Here we're talking about, God forbid, negative things do happen to people. And we're talking about in real areas, not just because, like we've been using the example, that my steering wheel is not gold-coated, you know, it only has leather instead. We're talking about real issues of the three areas in life that are the most important to every human being, which are bane, which means children, chaye, which means a person's life, a person's health, and mezoyne, which means a person's parnasa. Those are the three areas which are very deeply united with the etzim of his being. And therefore, every single human being, regardless of whether you're talking about anyone, is going to be impacted by these three areas. So the question, the obvious question comes out, okay, it's very nice. You want me to take care of my 49% of my time that I shouldn't fall into this default mechanism? I get it. But what happens when bad things happen? Right? And unfortunately, people are faced with nisyonis all the time. And so it's a real question. It's a real issue for all of us. And what the Alter Rebbe has been discussing up until now is that it's, we have to reframe what we think is bad and what we think is good. Now, that is an avoida, a big-time avoida, right? But that's what needs to happen. So, in other words, we have to change our perspective on whatever is happening around us right now. That even though it appears to be, from every vantage point, that this thing is bad. In Edsom, what we have to look at it is from a different perspective. So how can we see it from a different perspective? So the different perspective that we're going to look at it from is a perspective of a closeness to the Abishter. And that, we're going to say, is the most important. That is the most important part. That is the most important thing. So what we're saying really essentially is when we say, <coughs> and the phrase that we use here, gamzu right, 
And we brought, Dafka, the idea of, we explained in one of the classes several uh, classes ago, the difference between Rabbi Akiva's approach and Nachamish Gamzu's approach. Of not that good will come out of this bad event, but that, in fact, this event is good. So the question now comes out, how is a person supposed to look at this? How is a person supposed to do this? This is like basically an impossibility. So what we started to discuss the last couple of times is that there are two ways in which the Abishter is, so to speak, interfacing with the world. One way is through a lower level of gilui, a lower level of revelation, a lower level of connection. This in Hashem's name, would be known as the Vavke, or from, like we said, the Alma Galia, the revealed world. And this is, the example that we gave was a teacher teaching students. Right? So if you have Einstein teaching a bunch of elementary school students about physics, he has to completely limit, he has to completely limit, right, the words that he's saying to such an extent that really he's concealing so much of what he is about and so much of what is in his mind. That yes, he gives over a trickle of this information, but really it's very, very limited. Masha Enkain, if he were to reveal what's really in his mind and how physics works, it would be totally overwhelming and totally concealed from that elementary school student. But really, in fact, what would be a closer connection between the the the, the Macabre and Einstein? Obviously, if he gave it his all. That is the muscle of what we're going to be saying here. Okay? What you had a question? You have a question. Yes. question. You could discuss a Saibamale a little bit to a certain extent, but we're not really getting into the whole Saibamale concept here. We're going more in terms of Yud K versus Vav K. But it's a, you, you can look at it maybe from a similar point of view. Similar concept. It's a similar idea. A higher level compares to a lower level. A more infinite level compares to a finite level. Yeah, what? Uh, so I just want to review again the first. Okay, so review. Let, let's do it after class because we had 10 classes on this. So stick with me. Stick with me after. Yeah? Okay. Well, uh, so I don't know if this if I'm in the right section necessarily. Oh. A little bit of Kashkaka Pratis. Um, when I went to the oil for the first time on Friday, uh, one of my Arusas, we learned this oh. exact thing. Barakat so him. I know it Very good. because we've talked about it. Good. But in terms of reading it without any kind of Nekudot Hebrew, just because my, my Hebrew language still maybe isn't as strong. Yeah. Um, so like I know all the concepts because we've already discussed them. So we're doing a review of this, which is good because I know the material, but I also don't know if it's... Am I still in the right place? Just Hanani is going to show you. Okay, let's go from, we're going to start from, we have Lamed Gimel, page Lamed Gimel. We are going to start from, uh, let's start from Kigam Zilatova. One, two, three, four, five. I know we did this already, but let's just go, we'll take a running strike. Five lines down from the, from Vihinea Eitza. You got it? Yeah. Okay, it says like this. Hananya, show him where, show him where. Okay, good. Kigamzu Lataiva. Because this is also the, from the good. Now, remember, Gamzu Lataiva means that not that this is a bad event and something good is going to happen from it. Gamzu Lataiva means that this itself is a good event. Raksha Eno Nigla Beniraz Laene It's just that we are not able to see it with our own eyes. Right? Kihi ma'alma discasia. 
Because this is from the Alma Discasia. This is from the hidden world. Shalemailem Alma Galia, which is above the revealed world. Shuvavke Mishem Baruchu. Because this is from the Vavke of the Shem Avaya Baruchu. Yes? The Almadiskasha Hu Yudke. Whereas the Almadiskasia, which is the hidden world, is from the Yudke. Now, and this is what it says, Ashrei HaGeber Asher Tisrenu Ka. But it says specifically the Yudke Vagaymer. Now, here we go. We're now delving into this section. We're now delving into the proofs that the Alter Rebbe is going to bring for this idea that the Yud K is coming from a higher level, and this is in fact the level which Hashem is going to be showering us with the brachas. Now, the obvious question that comes out with from this that I, we did deal with one other class before is: if it's so good, why aren't we davening for this? No one is davening that they should have Yisurim. Adar everyone is davening. Don't. God forbid, give me Yisurim. And even we say, God forbid, I don't want Yisurim. So it's a, that in and of itself is a contradiction. If you're saying that it's so great, so why aren't we davening every single morning, please Hashem? No, we're saying, God forbid, God forbid, anyone should have to deal with Yisurim. Not in any of the areas. And Adra, but we want brachas, we want the opposite of it. We want that everything should go well, and everyone should be blessed, right? It's Zeis Hanukkah today. It's a special day, right? It's a day that we could turn everything around for the good, right? The idea of that everyone should have Bane, Chaye, Mezayne, all the Yiddish people everywhere in the whole world should have it in a good way. The, so that in and of itself seems to be a contradiction. So the answer that Hasidus gives for this is that we have a mission in this world. The mission in the world is to serve the Eivishter. That's our mission in here. That's why our neshamas came down into this world. Our neshamas came down in this world to serve Hashem. When chas v'chalila, a person has a problem in any of these areas, he is like knocked off of his track. He's knocked off of the road. No one could think straight. No one could deal. No one could serve the abishter in the way that hopefully they could serve, that they want to serve the abishter when something difficult is happening in life. So what we want, we want that things should go the norm. Things should go in a way of like good kite, in that way. Because that's how, not because I am a selfish person and I want only this and I want only that and, you know, and I want my uh, donuts with sprinkles on it. That's not why. The reason why is because I want to serve Hashem in the best way. And when things are going smoothly, I'm able to serve the Hashem. I'm able to learn, I'm able to dive and I'm able to do all these things. Having said that, sometimes Hashem does challenge us. And that's what he says here. That happy is the person who is afflicted <coughs> afflicted with what? Yudke. So why are you saying afflicted and also Yudke? It seems like a contradiction. Again, because it's not the normal way. It's not the way that we want it to be. We want it to be in a way... We want it to be in a way that we're able to serve Hashem in a normal, straightforward way. That's what we want. However, if we are afflicted, we're being afflicted not by, you know, chas v'chalila, right? The, the, other, the other peoples in the world, they'll say that there's a, there's a, there's a God and there's something opposite of it. And when God wins, you know, things are good. And when the other side wins and something's... That's, that is totally false. You can't even bring that out of your mouth. It's all from the Abishter. 
It's all Hashem doing what is best for us. Because we learned all the way in the beginning is that the Abishter is good and the Abishter does good. And he wants to bring good to us. So it's just like a parent. A parent wants only the best for his child. But sometimes the parent has to say to the child, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta change your behavior. You gotta do it a different way. You have to... So he says like this, this is what the rabbis are teaching when it says, that someone's happy with Yisurim. Now this is a very hard, high level to get to. Right? But he says someone who is happy when they have these Yisurim because they did this reframe. They did this. They recognized that it's coming from they're changing their perspective. And it's so hard to get to that. But it's something that it's a goal that, that we should have. And even though we shouldn't, we shouldn't really want it. So on this, the Kasub says, right? It says, Now, there's a couple of points here. Number one, he's calling someone who is happy with the Yisurim an Ayhavav. What's Ayhavav mean? What? The loved ones. So why is he calling the loved ones? And then he says, Ketseis Hashemesh B'Gvurosa. What is this idea of Ketseis Hashemesh B'Gvurosa? It's like the sun is coming out with all of its strength. Yeah, what's your question? So when you say kind of Chas Shalom about somebody who is afflicted by Yudhei, um, if it's closer to Hashem, now again, because I've read this, it's, it's coming from the place of Etzilut in Bria, then shouldn't we not say Chas Shalom because... Hashem showing closeness because it's also good. So why are we? Why would we say Hashem for something good happening to somebody? Right. So, so this is what we're saying. What we want is we want to serve the Ebishter in a normal way. That's how we want to serve Hashem. And when God forbid, if something happens to a person that is out of the norm, which is a negative thing, it pushes him away from serving the Hashem in a normal way. He gets all crazed and all difficult and he has to run to the hospital and he has to, you know, chas v'shalom and we shouldn't know from such things. All these things. It's not enabling him to sit down peacefully to serve Hashem, to learn Gemara, to learn Hasidus, to daven like a man, to go to Minyan every single day. Can't do these things. We were sent here with a mission. Now Hashem wants to change the mission. Okay, that's Hashem's right. Hashem could do that. But we want to do the mission. That's what we were sent here to do. So that's why we say chas v'shalom. That's why, because we don't want this to happen. If it happens, so then then we have to deal with it. That's that's the idea, but that's 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 the point. So now, why is he calling him the Ayhavav? So two questions that come out from this. Number one question is that someone who's sameach biyisurim is called a loved one of Hashem. That's the first thing, and the second point that we have to ask ourselves is what does this mean? Kitzeis Hashemish bigvurosav, right? So let's see how the Alter Rebbe explains what, he's talk, what is going on here. So he answers the first question. The first question is that really <clears throat> this person, right, who is dealing with these difficulties, right? So what is it? What is he facing? What is, what is going on? What is happening here? What's happening is that he recognizes, he reframes in his mind where this difficulty is coming from. 
And therefore, he recognizes that what's the best thing to be in the entire world? The best thing to be is close to Hashem. That's more than anything else. And this is why we're bringing Tehillim. David HaMelech, right, was afflicted by the worst things that ever happened in the history of the world. Every single thing that could possibly go bad in a person's life went bad in David HaMelech's life. Right? In other words, you could look at our, 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 you know, our great tzaddikim from, from times past to David HaMelech, one of the greatest people that ever lived in the history of the world. Right? One of the, the, the shepherds of the Jewish people. Right? And you say to yourself, you know, someone like that, figure everything should be perfect in his life. Everything, you know, he should be like just levitating above the ground and, you know, just sitting there in a cave, you know, like sitting there in all the... Ho- Every single thing that could possibly go wrong in a person's life went wrong in his life. He was attacked by, right, literally a war from his father-in-law. Right? He was attacked and rebelled by his children. <laughs> His son, right, his son, right, did something terrible to his daughter, right, from two different marriages. He had fights from everyone outside of the Jewish people, fights from everyone inside the Jewish people. He's running for his life, literally, I mean, how many years? On and on and on. Every single thing, I mean, literally every single thing that could go wrong basically went wrong in his life. I mean, if you were to say, let's make a list of all the things, God forbid, that could go wrong in someone's life. Right? That's David Melech. I mean, literally, I mean, it's, it's just crazy if you think about it. It's just, it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. It absolutely makes no sense. Yet, you see constantly in Tehillim, David, he's running away from his son who caused there to be a civil war, right? I mean, think about that. Where in the history of the world do you see a son making a civil war? In the history of the world. How, how often do you see such a thing? A civil war against his father. Yet, what does he have on his lips? Praise for Hashem. Thanking Hashem. Constantly singing to Hashem. How he's close to Hashem. It makes no sense. No one could possibly have even dreamed this in a million years, such a story. Right? You take a look at all the different books and all the novels and all the... No one in their wildest imagination could have imagined a life like David Melech's life. Yet, what's on the lips of his mouth? Praise to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. It, it's, it's absolutely... You know, in other words, we... we we don't. We look at it in a very, uh, in a certain way, in a superficial way. But if you just stop from a humanistic point of view and look at David Melech's life and look what happened, you know, event after event after event is going on in his life, right? And yet, what's on the lip? What's on his lips? Praising Hashem. Thank you, Hashem, for this. Thank you, Hashem. I need you, Hashem. I love you, Hashem. Oh, thank you. Uh, like what? In the 21st century, someone that had a quarter of the Yisurim, the David Melech, would be institutionalized. Right? Or, or he'd be like, you know, everyone would say, you know, stay away from this person. You know, he has every right to be, you know, go to war with us, you know, whatever. You know, whatever the, whatever the, the modern day uh, woke, uh, you know, languages. I don't even know. Right? 
But this is this is this is David Melch. <coughs> so David Melch is saying that that what is the idea here? The idea is that it's greater Hashem's closeness than anything else. Hashem's closeness is greater than anything else. So this is the first answer to our questions. First question. Oyavav means his loved ones. That the one that Hashem loves. Ashrei ha'ish, right? Ashrei ha'gever asher t'yesenu ka means that he's really changed his perspective. And he sees it as a, a love. He sees it as this is my love. This is my everything. Because it's greater the love for Hashem, even than life itself. And that's what he's saying here, which is crazy. It's totally the opposite of our normal human life. But if you think about it, if we're focusing on the Nefesh Alokis as opposed to the Nefesh Bahamias, the Nefesh Alokis, this is what it's all about. And that's what he says here. The closeness to Hashem from all Chaya Oilam Haze. Right? And the rest of the next words of that in that sentence, it's in uh, in Tehillim, is that his lips are praising Hashem. Greater is your kindness than life itself. Now, this is a very elevated level to get to, right? And I hope that none of us ever get tested because, like I said before, that's what we're rooting for. But unfortunately in life, people do get tested by all different things. And this idea is something when it's implanted in your mind, it at least gives you a direction. It gives us a direction. Now, that's not to say that we aren't pained by all the different things that happen in a person's life. And we're begging Hashem, like I said, a million times already in this year for only the goodness. But at least we have a direction of when things happen that we wish didn't happen. And it's a reframing of that idea and a reframing in a way that we see that we see that in the difference between, for example, when we were talking about earlier, if you remember in one of the earlier classes, we're looking at this in, contra- in contrast to what we saw in Igeras Achuva, in chapter Yud Base of Igeras Achuva. If you remember over there, in Parak Yud Base of Igeras Achuva, we talked about the idea that when a person does experience suffering in the world, that he looks at it like from the point of view of, right, that the sun may move millions tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles above, and yet we see just the shadow move a few inches below. That the few inches below, right, that it moves is like a, a idea of the pain that a person feels from the Yisurim of this world. In contrast to the Yisurim that a person would feel if he had to deal with it in Gehenim or in the world to come. Now look at the contrast with the way the Alter Rebbe's couching this whole subject here in contrast to there. Over there, we're looking at it from a point of view that it's like, it's a bad event, but you know what? This bad event is better than having a worse bad event. Right? It's, you know, like the phrase that people use very often, oh, let it, it's a kapara. When you say it's a kapara, it means you're saying, this was a negative event that just took place. But God willing, this negative event 
you know, I lost uh, $5 instead of losing Shalom $500. That's, oh, it's a kapara. Let it be a kapara. This is also a, a mindset of training our mind. Over here, that's not the approach that he's taking. Over here, the approach that he's taking is that the actual event itself is coming from a higher level of Hashem. And this is a totally different way of reframing the whole, the whole concept, the whole business. Right? So this is the first step in recognizing that, okay, what is Ayavav? Ayavav means that Hashem is doing this but not because He's far away from us, not because He's punishing us, not because He's distancing Himself from us, but because He loves us even more. Yeah? So something bad happens, you're saying we shouldn't go back and look for you know a, a spot where maybe we did something wrong in Shuba. I think, that, I think that what we have to say is that we know that throughout Jewish literature there is that concept. And it is an important thing to do. It is an important, but it's an important thing to do more in terms of we're constantly trying to make ourselves better. And the approach of making ourselves better is, is constantly reflecting on what I could be doing better. And therefore what I've done maybe that isn't better right now. And therefore how I can improve. And sometimes Hashem does, and we know that Hashem sends us these messages in order to wake us up, so to speak. But the approach here is a quite a different approach. The approach here is not to say that either is wrong. They're both right. It just looks, it's almost like you're looking, you know, like with a microscope. At, remember we all did this uh, experiment, you know, at least when I was in high school. I think you guys probably did it also. You take, you know, the, the lake water you put it on the slide and you put the top of the slide and then you look at it with a, you know, with a microscope. And you know, from one perspective, you're looking at just a drop of water. And then when you look at the microscope 10 times, right, you see certain things. And when you look at it 100 times, right, the paramecium and the, and, the, you know, and the amoebas and everything like that come out. So which is it? Is it water or is it paramecium's and amoebas? Well, they're both right. It just looks, it depends on what perspective you're looking at it. So each perspective has a place. Right? This, is the, this is the direction that the Alter Rebbe is taking here. Because he's, in a certain way, he's taking almost like a Lachatchila Riba type of place, uh, direction. Uh, okay, let's look at it from this perspective of, yeah, Gamzu Teva. It's hard. And it's demanding. It's very demanding. And we all know, I mean, because even when, you know, when like all of a sudden, you know, you trip on a, on a little stone and you, like, <laughs> you stub your toe and, you know, you get totally out of whack. You know, which is a relatively irrelevant situation in retrospect compared to, you know, so many things that could happen in life. So it's very, very hard. And we are begging Hashem not to test us with these things. Every single morning we're diving to Hashem, you know, give us a, you know, good in a way that we could see it with our, with our Gashmistic eyes. And this is, this is, this is, this is the approach. But why? Because we want... We want to serve Hashem in the best way. That's our approach. And this is the easiest way to serve Hashem in the best way. When things are not good, when things are difficult, it's, it's very hard to serve Hashem. But this is the approach that he's taking here in terms of trying to help us reframe and change our perspective on things that happen in life. Okay, Mitzvah Hashem, tomorrow we'll finish up uh, the rest of this section and we'll get into the next section, which is what happens when instead of uh, instead of the the depression or the ups, being upset, 
coming from Gashmiistic things, sometimes it could also come from Ruchniistic things that we are not accomplishing, we're not, we don't feel like we're moving forward, we don't feel like we're in the place where we need to be, etc., etc. We'll get there, Amir Tashem, in a couple of days. Probably.